Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning to all of you. I'm so glad that you worship the Lord with us today in this sanctuary. And uh, may God's peace be with you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, this day, we ask for your grace in our lives. The Lord, you will guard our hearts. The Lord, you will guide our ways so that we do not wander away from you, but to remember the mandate that we are to disciple the generations, that our faith will be passed on. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In our first series, Disciple the Generations, I now bear upon this topic called Viral Faith. Viral Faith. A contagious faith. And it is this viral and contagious faith that we should be living it out and passing it on. Because no way, no way can we pass it on something or pass something on if we have not lived it, if we have not experienced it, and if we have not encountered the Lord Jesus. Today, as we look upon the state of the church, the church is advancing in so many ways. And yet, as we look at the state of the church and the state of the soul, we realize that it is advancing, yet declining. More than ever before, we have a buffet of feasting, spiritual feasts laid before us. The Bible is at the click of your fingertips. You can study anything in the web. And, And there's always information overload. But yet, why is it that we have been losing our young people? Losing in morals, losing in our morality, losing in our purity. And so therefore, the church advances in its technology, in its ability to reach far and wide. But I pray that it will also reach down here, that is deep and within. So facing the church today, we have extended spiritual infancy. People who should know better, should have grown older and wiser, but have not. Have you met old Christians who are so immature? Yeah? And they act like kids. They are so superficial. And sometimes you wonder what happened? What has happened that truncated the growth? Of course, we also have this erosion of faith by which people's faith, they started well, but they don't finish it well. I met recently a lady who was driving a vehicle. And as I stepped in, she was playing some Buddhist songs, chanting and chanting. And then she turned to me and said, Sorry, uh, I didn't didn't ask, uh, you mind this kind of music or not? I said, No, of course I don't mind. Oh, you're very different. Huh? You're Christian or Buddhist? Huh? You're Buddhist? Huh? I said, no, I'm a Christian. How come Christian can listen to my Buddhist song? Huh? I said, sure, I can listen to any song. Yeah, you're very good, are huh? you? 
Ah, I tell you, a Christian come into my car, they play their Christian music loud, loud, no, to, to, you know, poke at my Buddhist music, no. I say, oh, really? Maybe because it's, they are not used to the music, you know. Wow, you're very good, ah, you're very good, ah. Wow, people praise me that day. I feel good also, lah. Then I say, have you been to church and do you know uh, what a Christian is all about? And, you know, I always find a way to strike out conversation for the gospel. And she told me she was a Christian before, she went to church before, she do this before, she do that before. But, uh, uh, the God boiling, you know, the Christian God, uh, not, not uh, boiling, how do you say, uh, not true, uh, not accurate, uh. And I said, why? He says, oh, because uh, I, I had this. And so she went on to recount. And then I said, well, you know, because you tried Jesus and you think Jesus failed you. Yeah, 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 correct, correct, correct. And so I went on to talk about what real faith, what authenticity really is about. After I reached home, she said, hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I contact you. Uh, I contact you. Uh. I, I hope she contact me. Uh. But finding opportunity because the erosion of faith is a real thing. People came on to the faith and they start well, but they don't finish well because along the way, something happened that short-circuited the growth. Privatizing of religion. People become very private Christians. They strum the guitar, they worship God in the beach or in their house, and they say, don't call me, go to church. Huh? I cannot. Huh? I cannot face people, you know, because... Uh, religion inside uh, is right inside. You see, there's truth that Christianity is a personal religion. But yet, Christianity is also cradled in communities because Jesus came to die for all that the church may be built. We have this term called incipient declension, means it is insidious. You cannot see it. It comes forth very slowly. People do not backslide all of a sudden. They wake up one morning and say, okay, today I don't want to be Christian. You know, It comes very slowly and just like a live frog that is boiled alive with the temperature slowly being increased. So therefore, in the light of this, the declension speaks of a life that is not walking with God. The superficiality, immaturity, outward conformity. We have all the right forms. We copycat all the things to do, but lacking in its essence, lacking in its authentic living. Inward emptiness, whereby we feel that we try God out, but God didn't pass. So we have this joke that says, oh no, you want to be a part-time Christian, but you expect a full-time God. Huh? God must show up, you know, every time you call him, uh, he must say, yes, ma'am, what can I do for you, you know? Ha, ah, you, need, you need a job, uh? oh, you need more money, uh? oh, you need healing, uh? ah, okay, 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 you know? So God is not our master, you know, he is not our servant, he is our master. So we cannot be a part-time Christian and expect God to turn up full-time, isn't it so? So today's text bear upon the condition that we are living in. 2 Timothy 2, 1-7 It reads, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. See, this is a very poignant reminder for all of us. We are all created for a purpose. Viral faith means that we have to live it out and then we have to pass it on. It is so contagious that you can't just keep it to yourself. Disciple the generation, that's what we are called for and called to do. It's a quote that says, In life, you don't use God to fulfill your purpose. Instead, you let God use you to fulfill His purpose. And that's the reason why that as we come to an honest reckoning today of what the church is and who we are, we need to remember this, that God is calling us to advance regardless of the state of the church and why it is going that way. 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 7 today highlights for us three strengths in keeping a viral faith. Three very important chord that has to be intertwined together. The first is to be strengthened, to be ready, and then to be faithful. One, two, three. The first, to be strengthened. Verse one, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now you and I know that we always come to the end of the road for ourselves. There are many times we hit the wall. Our, our prayer bounces back. We, we come through a, a mountain that we cannot cross. There are issues in our lives that cannot be fixed. There are issues in our loved ones' lives that cannot be fixed too. Because they won't change. We also won't change. So it's like a stalemate. And sometimes in life we realize that it is harder to live as a Christian. Because as we grow in our trials and testing, we also need to grow in faith and grow in grace. There are two things that we have to grow in. Number one is rooted in our faith. We need to be rooted in our faith. You see, where we fail, God will take over. Unless and until we have a deep root, then our plant will not be shaken. If our roots are not deep and very shallow, then our walk will also not be strong. The second is to be resilient in our walk. Resilient, to be strong, consistent, faithful. It was a story told about a new chief for the village. So he came and everybody welcomed him and he, you know, meet the people session. He have a big session with everybody, say hello, hear their complaints and whatever. And then before he went off, he told a joke. And the joke was so funny that everybody laughed, roll and hug their stomach. It must be a very good joke. And then goodbye. Second month, meet the people session again, hear all their complaints and all that. Then he ended the session with a joke. And it was the same joke he told in the first session. Now, there are some polite people who laugh. You know, it's like, ah, same joke. <laughs> same joke. You know, laugh out of politeness. Third month, meet the people session again. Hear the complaint. Da, 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 da. And then he end up telling this, the same joke for the third time. Now the people really get impatient. 
Say, excuse me, you told this joke three times already. No, today, they sapai lah. Don't say anymore. Next month, tolong. No more. Oh, you're tired of my joke. Yeah, I was tired of your joke. And then, am I not tired of your complaint? You complain three times already, no? Sometimes, if we have a mirror in front of us, we will be able to see what others can see in us that sometimes we refuse to see in ourselves, isn't it? That always, the finger is always pointing somewhere, someone. But to be resilient in our walk means that we need to grow deeper, stronger, fuller, better, bolder, wiser. We need to grow stronger in our faith, deeper, to have a deeper love, to have a fuller surrender, and then to have better understanding, to have bolder courage and a wiser perspective. So the more we grow in grace, the better we become, the wiser we become. And therefore, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. That at the end of our road, Jesus himself will take over. Now, disciple the generations means this. We disciple them in grace, in growth, in godliness. In my house, there is this motto. I say, be nice, be kind, be gentle, be sweet. Find every opportunity in the home to be nice, to be kind, to be gentle, and to be sweet. And many a times that we can be such a goody-goody outside, you know, in church, and we say, sing our hallelujah, and then go back, wow, we scream and shout at the maid, nah, we throw things around, we bang, you know, and then we just slap our kids and kick the dog, and kill the hamster, and, you know. How is it people are able to see Christ in us? Yeah, we don't walk our talk. I mean, teenagers are very smart. I live with uh, young adults, I know. Mommy, you say this, you do that. Hey, yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know, you, you put a mirror in front of mommy. And next time I do it again, you tell me, okay? You say, Dang, and I, I repent, okay? We need to keep watch over one another. I'm not a perfect mom. Neither, have, uh, neither are my kids perfect. All right? Nobody is perfect in this whole earth, no matter how much we pretend we are. No one. And there's a reality. It's a given. We try to project the best way, the best front, up front. But the discipleship means this, that we are to grow in grace daily, consistently. Secondly, to be ready. Verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Women excluded. <laughs> no, la, included. Included. Huh? Men is used in its generic sense. It means it includes everybody, men and women, young and old, kids and adults. So that it says here, somebody said that there's four generations in this verse. All right, can you see four generations in this verse? Cannot. Cannot. Some of you can. Some of you got higher level than me. Nah. I, I couldn't because there's no say four generations there. No. The word four generation is not there, but it suggested four. Paul is writing to Timothy, one, two, Paul and Timothy, and asking him to entrust to faithful men. Then this faithful man must be able to do what? Hang around, strum guitar, go to club? No. Teach others also. So there are four levels here. And disciple the generation means one generation passing on to another. 
Now the the second is to be ready. What kind of readiness is this? To be ready to receive. There must be a thirst within, right? There must be an incessant desire to know God, to want to know God. There must be a desire to draw near. Just as some some of you who who are attracted to someone, you will find opportunities to sit near or sit somewhere you can angle the person, you know, in a certain angle and see his laughter or his or her 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 strapping of the hair or whatever lah. I mean, we all have our ways ah of noticing people without being noticed ah. So in a certain sense. The, the, the fact that there must be a readiness, there must be a hunger, a thirst, a yearning for God. So the readiness means that we are spiritually prepped or prepared to want to seek God. So this readiness has to do with receptivity in our hearts. You are receptive towards spiritual things. I believe all of you are, because you wouldn't be here if you are not. You'll be staying at home and watch the service, meanwhile eating your breakfast. Yeah, yeah, good song, good song. Ah, sing off tune. Mm, harmony no good. Ah, so loud, so soft. Yeah, the, she, she said this word five times already. Ah, yeah, you know. So we are critics at home on the online platform. But readiness to accept has to do with ability and the receptivity to engage, to want to behold God. Secondly is the readiness to impart. Readiness to impart means this, that we are able to pass it on. And people will look at your life, not just what you say, but how you do it. How you treat the foreigners in your midst. How you treat your helper. How you treat the people who come and fix the lights for you, fix the aircon for you. How you always insist on your right. Your children, watch all that. No wonder your children grow up to be so entitled-centered. Because father, mother is like that. So what we behave towards outsiders, our children receive it from us, that it is okay. Watch how we live. You see, some of us are spiritual orphans. Yeah? We grow up, we become Christian, and then people kick you and say, okay, grow, 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 grow. Now, milk, uh, water there, feed yourself. Don't kind of disturb me, huh? I'm busy, huh? you know. We do a lot of parenting like that. But spiritual parenting sometimes are also like that. We expect people to grow. And then if they don't grow, you make a mistake, we slam at them. And say, why you don't grow? Because you as a parent or you as a spiritual leader never took the time to teach them, to impart to them, to tell them what is right, what is wrong. When my children were growing up and when they read a book or when they see a movie, I always have a debrief. Ah, debrief. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, you like, the, you, you like the movie or not? Yeah, 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 I like, I like. What, what, what is it you like about? You know, it's like the you know, Kung Fu Panda. You like Wu Kui or not? Huh? You don't like it? Ah? All the characters, ah, you identify with Wu Kui or which one? Ah, Xiao Pang Zi, ah? And then you say, oh, I like this. But the reason why we debrief with the children is that they may get home something. That they don't just look at movies, see a drama for its sake but that they may learn from it, all right? It's not a whole day thing, or one hour, two hours, or just a few minutes, so that they can centralize their learning. Some of us are like this kid, fooling around all the time. Cute, right? 
we appear cute, we appear nice, and we are very laid back, and we are likable, lovable with everybody. So we are absolutely tolerant and don't care what people say, what people believe, you know, and, and so on. But we lack that, that tenacity. We lack that purpose. We lack that life, that directed life in our lives because we are always fooling around. We are to entrust to faithful, reliable, trustworthy, responsible and obedient men and women who will take the responsibility to pass it on. We need to live circumspectly. I think the word is a very nice word. Circumspectly or we need to live intentionally or consistently in order for us to pass it on. Don't one day... You know, you go home, wow, you love the whole world. You kiss all your children, kiss your mother-in-law also, kiss the dog and the cat also. Another day, you go back, you slam everything, you know. Now, this is what we call temperamental. Children's security or insecurity comes from our consistent walk. It may be boring for a while, it doesn't matter. No child would want to grow in a very insecure family because they don't know how to read their parents. One day you are so lovey-dovey, another day, wow, better don't look at your black face. Consistent walk with God is like that. Walk circumspectly, walk wisely, walk consistently, walk deliberately. During, especially during changing times and challenging circumstances. And you know today we live in those times. Changing times because of the emerging realities on the global front, political upheaval, and then we also have many, many challenges in terms of global, medical, domestical issues. You agree, eh? Good. Disciples of Jesus' disciple. Discipleship of Jesus' disciples. E. Stanley Jones says this of the disciples. Their level of life, the disciples' level of life within, was adequate to meet the problems and possibilities before them. And so, they are able to. They are discipled to. Number three, to be faithful. There are three pictures of faithfulness in this text. Number one, the dutiful soldier. Number two, a disciplined athlete. And then number three, a diligent farmer. I tried to make it DDD, yeah? so it, it worked out like that. A dutiful soldier. Now there is a people who lost everything. They lost their king, they lost their prophet, they lost their land, they lost their priesthood, they lost all the properties, they lost everything, they lost their name. But yet, they were able to preserve themselves as a people. And these people are called the Jews. The Jews, after more than a thousand years of scattering abroad, far and wide, eventually Israel came back to become a nation on 14 May 1948, with the help of the British, of course. And then, as a result of that, those who are scattered far and wide came back to Israel to form the nation. Today, Israel is still surrounded by all the sides with a difficult agenda that they want to repossess the land. That's why we are called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It was God who brought this nation back. You see, to be faithful as a dutiful soldier, the verse says, share in suffering as a good soldier. No soldier gets entangled in army pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
This is our aim, to pursue God. Therefore, in the light of this, we need to get rid of all the entanglements, all the addiction, all the add-ons, the ambition, the pursuits, and the sense of self in order that we may please the one who enlists us. And some of you have gone through army, you know, that when you go for a march, you go for a night, whatever, uh, you go for a run. Uh, I remember my husband telling me he was in the, in the naval diving and he has to carry his, his flippers and don't know what, and they run, 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 15 kilometers, dive down and, and all the things. He said, very, very difficult for naval divers. And he said, he's so glad that he's not naval diver for life, you know. But he said he, he did his thing. But when you go for something like this, for a training, you don't carry extra things, right? You don't carry a big, nice photo of your girlfriend. Put, in your, put where? You know? Uh, in the midst of your exercise, you lose your girlfriend away. But you do not. You cut off, you trim yourself to the bare essentials for the war or for the exercise. So get rid of all the things that hinder us. To be faithful, the second picture is a disciplined athlete, someone who competes according to the rules. Now, God has set a standard for us. Now, it is not about do's and don'ts. It is about the standard, be ye holy, for I am holy. And in other words, the word is, in some translation, is be ye perfect, for I am perfect. Now, wait a minute, can we all be perfect? Never, right? Holiness, it is a gradual attainment to holiness. As we are sieved through by different tribulations in our lives, we are being sanctified day after day after day. And I remember that last week I was preaching at uh, this church, the Chapel of the Resurrection. I told the young people, it's a young people's uh, uh, worship, very vibrant. You know, everybody was dancing, jumping. And I told the young people, look, it is important for us to realize this, that in the kingdom of God, God accepts everyone and anyone. There's no such thing as God will reject you because you sin. It, God knows how many times we sin, our propensities to sin. It is not how many times we've sinned, it's how many times we come back to God or how soon we come back to God when we sin. And the longer you delay, the harder it is to come back to say sorry, isn't it? And therefore God looks upon our lives and says, yes, I know, I know you feel me, I know you continue in sin, but keep coming back, keep coming back, keep saying sorry and, and keep getting my strength appropriating my strength that you will not sin again. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rule and the goal is that we may win. The third picture is a diligent farmer, hardworking and patient. Because the farmer cannot hurry the crops to grow, isn't it? One day he says, why you grow so slowly? Eh? Okay, I'll help you a little, pull it up a little. Huh? Raise up the crop a little, you die, right? So in a certain sense, hard work must be accompanied by patience. You have to wait out for the season of harvest and then you can harvest the crop. Right? It is the hard-working farmer that will share in the first crop. And therefore, in the light of this, we must remember that it is important. 
I want to tell a story, but my time is catching up with me. Nevertheless, I'll tell it, okay? <laughs> the year was 2003. My husband was in sabbatical in Illinois, Deerfield, and we stayed in this road called West Molin Drive. My children would take the yellow bus, go to school, and sometimes after school, they put their bag, eat the food, then run to the neighbor's house to play, play, play. One day, I received a telephone call from the neighbor, one of the neighbors that, that overlooked the road. He said, your daughters uh, are playing on the road. Huh? I said, what? On the road or near the road? No, on the road. Wow, on the road. Wow, they're standing higher and higher each day, you know. So I went there and I looked across the balcony. There was, you know, the two lanes. Uh, there's a white lane in the middle, right? They were stepping on the white lane uh, and then they were doing this. Wait for the car to come and they run across. Then they go there and then come back to white line and wait for the car to cross. Then they go back. Wow, I tell you, uh, it's like playing with their life. So I say, girls, come back. What's happening? He said, mommy, we are, we are playing the game called the middle road. Wow, middle road. <laughs> Singapore also have middle road. No? I want, okay, so what's your game like? And so she, they explain the game, how many they score. They play with two other friends. Uh, and I said, yeah, girls, uh, it is such an important game uh, that you don't have to learn that way. No? Because uh, there's consequences to your middle road. You're grounded for one month. After school, straight come home, no playing with your friends. You know, uh, some of us are like that. We are always constantly walking on the middle road. We think we can handle it. Yeah? We think we will not be knocked down by the car. But the danger is there. It's always there. And we cannot sometimes be quick enough to respond. And that's it. You will face death. So in, in a certain sense, to be faithful means this. To be consistently walking with God and don't play with fire. And don't walk the middle path because in this way, you will not be able to do that. The call is for us to be wiser. In verse 7, it says, Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over. The first generation, Joshua and the elders, knew God. The second generation, after the elders, the generation knew about God. The third generation, they knew not God. So in Judges 2.10, it says this, And all the generations also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work He has done. You see, it is important for us to remind ourselves that we don't want to be that generation. And as a result, it is important for each one of us to come to God at the cross. The gift of pardon is this. We are forgiven. We are already forgiven. There is this song by Anne Hathaway. And some of you who have seen this uh, musical, La Miss, will remember this song. I dream a dream when time gone by, when hope was high and life worth living. I dream that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Then I was young and was unafraid. So dreams were made and used and wasted. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. 
And in so many lives, there are broken dreams. And you and I who have received the pardon, who has been forgiven on the cross, all our sins are nailed to the cross. We don't have to sing this kind of song. I dream that God would be forgiving. He already forgave. He already has forgiven us. The pardon has already been issued that we have the gift of eternal life. So the need to disciple the generations is this, whatever we have received from God, that we are to be strengthened, to be ready and to be faithful, that we may really live it out and really pass it on without hesitation. Let me close as I invite the worship team to come forward. John Piper said this, Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in the world. And this is because God himself has been crucified that you and I may live. Can we all rise as we close with this song? Brothers and sisters, because of Jesus, because of the life-transforming power of the gospel, just like he did with the Thessalonians, uh, now he is working in and through each one of us. God has called us to disciple our generation, starting with those at home and those that we meet every day. And surely the gospel go forth in all our relationship, in all our responsibilities. And so let's come as we worship God in His closing song, that the light of the Christ has come to this world, touch and change us. Now we become His shining light to those around us. Let's use this song and ask God to shine upon us.
spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.